Welcome to the official podcast of Cardinals Nation 24-7. Each week, we put a unique perspective on bringing you the latest news, updates, and rumors of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization. Join the nation and stay informed by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, subscribing to us on the podcast form of your choice, and most of all, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you all for supporting the nation. Let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Jared Redwine, Chris Lawless, and Larry Cox. Hello, Cardinals Nation, and welcome to another episode of Cardinals Nation 24-7 video podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jared Redwine, joined as always by my good friends and my co-hosts, the one and only living legend, Larry Cox, and the founder of Cardinals Nation 24-7, Mr. Chris Lawless. Larry, good evening. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for asking. Chris, how are things in the Show Me State? Well, aside from some snow that happened earlier, which was unexpected, we had 70-degree weather yesterday and snow today. Doing fine. You know, catching up on the Cardinals and looking forward to chatting with you guys tonight. That's good. At least it gives you guys something to do. Get out, get a little exercise and shovel some snow. Uh, we appreciate everyone for joining us. Uh, if you like what you see and you're joining us again, you're already a subscriber. Thank you. If you're not uh, and you like what you do see, please uh, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. We do appreciate all the support. Uh, today we're going to cover uh, the last series at home against the, the Nationals, uh, the series that we just had in Philadelphia with the Phillies. And then we're going to, you know, kind of preview, discuss the current series with the Nationals. And then the Phillies will be coming back to St. Louis shortly after. So we're going to kind of cover and run through those. We're going to go over like some overall statistics so far, just kind of discuss the current makeup of the team. Uh, and we'll just get things going. We'll start off, you know, real quick, guys. We just played the uh, Nationals April 12th to the 14th. We ended up losing two out of three. Uh, we've only won one series so far this year, so it's a little disappointing. We were seven for 21 with uh, runners in scoring position for that series. Uh, one of which was pretty much in one game. Uh, we did outscore the Nationals 16-14, to 14, but 14 of those runs came in one game. Uh, we ended up leaving a total of 34 men on base. Uh, it was a kind of a serious combination of, you know, bad pitching and bad hitting tied in together. Uh, all the offense, like I said, it came in only in one game. Uh, the, the bright side of that series was Flaherty did pitch five innings, uh, struck out six, didn't issue any walks, only one run. He did get a win. Uh, but these, the start, starting pitching is still not going deep into games in this series or currently now. And the other bright side was Carp uh, did get a, a three-run home uh, – excuse me, a home run. Carp did get a home run and three RBIs in the series. So it was nice to see him get a little uh, redemption and kind of, you know, get a little productivity at least. Chris, what was your thoughts on that series coming out with the Nationals? I know it was probably a few games ago for you, so maybe it's not fresh in mind, but I just wanted to – cover over it real quick it's been you know the feast or famine with the offense you know it seems like you know that's kind of been the forte really the last few years you know the cardinals will put up a ton of runs one game and can't seem to score the next couple games uh with matt carpenter uh it was good to see him kind of have a breakout game uh much needed on his part um i did kind of put a post out on our page that was the spray chart, Matt Carpenter's spray chart for 2021. And it had just the bunt hit and the home run. And, you know, that got a lot of reactions from folks, but, you know, you, you want to see Carpenter succeed and you want to see the lineup, you know, be a little more consistent. But like you said, the pitching 
you you've got to have starting pitching going deeper in games. Uh, Flaherty did you know get managed to get through five, but more consistently, I think all through the rotation, you're going to have to have some arms eating innings, and that's been kind of a bugaboo for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, Larry, we've seen it in the past before. Now we're starting to see it again. But the National Series was was the same. You know, it was we had the one good game where we broke out, and then the other game where nothing seems to come together. And when you don't have hitting or pitching either, it's kind of you know going to result in a series loss like it did for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, th- I think the inconsistencies of our pitching staff is the biggest thing right now. I think it's again, I think we're finding our way through the ser- through the to the rotation itself. Um, I think the uh, uh, Ponce experiment. I mean, I think it's pretty much come to an end now. Uh, he had the one game where he pitched really well, but during the very next game, not so well. The addition of uh, Kim coming back, that'll put the end of Ponce. He'll move back to the bullpen um, with Michaelis basically on the mend and starting to actually throw. Um, uh, Gant's numbers probably are, are set as well as how many games he's going to get left. Um, the really surprising numbers jumped out to me as far as the hitting is uh, – Flaherty's getting almost 10 runs a game in support. And the other guys are barely scraping by to get one or two runs. But I, I still think, you know, it's still the April. It, it's young players are outfield. They're trying to find their way as well. The pitching staff pretty much is the same thing, I think. You know, Gant was in the bullpen for so long. But I think it'll come around. I don't, I'm not scared yet. A month from now this time, probably. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It was pretty much most of the same in the Philly series. But before we move on to that, we do want to mention our Cardinals Nation 24-7 T-shirts. We haven't released them yet, but you've seen us wearing them a couple times before, maybe seen it on our Facebook group or page, uh, the pictures. But uh, we had some interest and we had people asking about it. So we do want to let people know that we are coming out with some. I've got one handy right here. I'm not wearing it. I'm wearing my Matt Carpenter batting. But this is the design of what the shirt looks like. Uh, we're probably just going to do the first release in one color for the most part, but people have asked. So if you're interested, please let one of the three of us know, send us a, a message, uh, of how many, if more than one you would like and what particular size. And we're trying to just gather interest to see if it's worth putting together an order. Uh, we're not really trying to push him, but we kind of like him and we think it was pretty cool. And so now we're trying to do, uh, the same. See if anybody wants one, we'll start trying to, piece together or we'll contact you maybe we'll do like a few bucks for a deposit or something until we get an order and then just pay the rest for we ship it that way we can kind of piece something together chris you a fan of the shirts yes they are they're fun to look at obviously um but they are comfortable and good quality shirts uh i like the the white and red that you just showed and you know i that'll be the primary color if of interest if we decide to sell some but they're you had a black one made that looked pretty sharp too. So maybe down the line as more interest grows in it, maybe we'll experiment with other colors, but the white and red, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. It's a beautiful shirt. Larry, any comments on yours? No, I, I really like the shirt. I wear it. I get comments all the time when I wear the shirt. Um, a lot of my friends aren't all Cardinals fans. So of course they don't tune in to watch this. So, or check us out. So the shirt kind of, they're like, Oh, okay. So where'd you get the shirt? It's pretty cool. Can I get a shirt like that? Because they do like 
me, I guess, or my friends, um, the few. All two of them. So all, I was going to say I gave them both a dollar. They'll admit to it other than you two. Um, so, yeah, the shirts all in all, I really like the shirts. Um, I do encourage people to take a look at them. And if you're interested, like you said, we'll order those shirts, get them out to you. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. You gave your other two friends a dollar? Where the hell's my dollar? Uh, Chris, Chris, took, dollar? Chris took your dollar. Oh, as I say, Chris better like the design of the shirt, so he designed the damn thing. <laughs> Right, uh, gentlemen, moving along to the uh, series at Philadelphia against the Phillies. Obviously, we, we lost that series as well. Lost uh, two or three games. We were only two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Uh, it, same thing as the prior series with the Nationals. And as we're currently seeing now, the Cardinals uh, scored 11 in the series. The Phillies 15. Nine of those Cardinals 11 runs, excuse me, came in one game. We left 33 on base. We left 34 on base the series before. Uh, you know, and don't want to, you know, sound like uh, we're skipping here on the track, but, you know, it was a repeat of last series, all offense is one game. Uh, Molina did have a nice outing. He went four for 12, uh, had four RBIs, two home runs. Carlson also uh, was three for 10, so he had good production, but he did leave uh, seven men on base himself alone in the series. Uh, same thing, we're leaving a lot of guys on base, I've noticed, and that's just uh, inconsistently with the offense. You know, we're a broken record here. Uh, again, no starting pitcher in that series made it out of the fifth inning. Uh, the only win came out of the bullpen uh, in the series, and I believe that came to uh, Helsley, if I'm not mistaken. KK only went three innings, but he did make his return, so that was a positive note. I knew he was probably not going to go very long, and then once he had that long first inning, I knew he was just going to be a short outing for him. But, you know, Philly, you know, we've still had a lot of these series, Chris, where we're Overall, we're scoring similar, but it's all coming from one game and then no pitching and the inconsistent offense. I know we just touched on it, but what do you think going into future series is a, something that, you know, the Cardinals should look at trying to do to, to mix it up or, or vary the results? You know, the definition of insanity, right, is, you know, repeating the same thing and intending a different result or expecting a different result and not getting it. But your thoughts? I, I did see where, you know, Mike Schilt has bumped Carlson up, you know, to the fifth spot, um, you know, to go back on that Philadelphia series where Carlos kind of had the big inning of runs that he gave up, which really, uh, you know, there's a couple misplays, one by Carlson and one by Carpenter that kept that inning going and, you know, Schilt put him back out there and really he finished up strong. You know, he, he went back out there and got through some innings. And I, I think Carlos kind of got in his head there with a couple hit batters. That's, you know, Carlos being Carlos, as we've said. But that is the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over. So, she'll, you know, I would like to see him tinker with the lineup a little different with maybe having Nagowski get a start. Uh, I know Justin Williams is starting to, you know, hit a little bit. But, you know, you've got to be able to tinker with things. Carpenter, you know, love the guy to death, but – to keep running him out there, just hoping for a different result. I, I don't know. You know, it's that leash needs to get shorter and shorter. But then again, we're coming up on the end of April, and we said he'd have that first month. You know, I, I don't know what's going to give come May. Mm -hmm. and, and you see what's going on now, and we still think the season is early, but it is. But now we're roughly three turns through the rotation, and uh, the first month is almost over, and we're in third place, barely, in the division. Larry, what do you think the Cardinals need to do, in your opinion, to try to, you know, tweak what's going on, you know, try something different, whether it be the bullpen, the the batting order. I was a big batting order guy 
and they finally have, you know, like Chris said, flipped that around. It seemed to work yesterday. I like the idea of splitting up, you know, Williams and Carlson and trying to, to vary that lineup and with his high OPS trying to make something happen. And DeYoung has just not been performing either. But Larry, your your thoughts? The um, the biggest things that I've been looking at the stats, we are we're tied for first in home runs in the league with Atlanta with twenty five. We're also we're at fourth in runs scored. So that does that leads me to believe it's not the offense. The problem is is though we're streaky, like Chris said. We we one game we score ten or eleven, the next game we can't push a run across. Um, I think situational hitting is the hardest thing for a young player. I think, again, we're going to, you know, keep going back to a lot of those players who are younger. Um, this is their first real experience in the major leagues. Plus the fact, you know, leave, losing O'Neill and Bader both, which were the most experienced outfielders, that hurts. But, again, our pitching staff still not getting through five and giving up a lot of runs. That's the other thing. So I think it's a combination of everything. And I think, again, it's I'm going to keep saying it's April. Um, a team kind of has to gel and find their way. And I think it's the same with the batting, the batting order and the lineups. It takes a while to f- figure out which guys can fall into what position. And when you've got, you know, three or four guys that are fairly d- new to this team and the, in this uh, league, that's a lot of changes going on right now. So, and then, you know, you bring over Arenado. He's, he's, he's new to the team, new stadiums. He hasn't played in quite as many times. You know, they had the visiting times, but not as many times. That's another thing. I mean, it's, it's getting accustomed to everybody in the team. But I, I see a lot of positives with the negatives, so I don't want to always just harp on just the negatives all the time. Yeah, I had that note wrote down, too, about the home runs. But then, you know, they have to find ways to, you know, get runs in other ways. Uh, 25 home runs is great, but that apparently looks like that's the main way we're scoring the runs. Uh, you know, they got to start playing some small ball. And I think a lot of that has been so far this year is we've had hitters on the lineup. It's just been so lopsided. You know, that's why I'm like, I like seeing Carlson moved around because we've got basically the top half of the batting order performs the bottom half, you know, isn't doing anything, you know, with the youngs hitting, you know, under 200 carp is hitting, you know, under 100. Then you have the pitcher spot. Then you have Williams, who's kind of turned it on, but there for a while he was under 200. So I was like, okay, we got four guys that uh, are, are hitting, you know, like a catcher in the rest of, you know, Major League Baseball. So that that was definitely uh, an issue. But let me go back, circle back to you, Chris. You know, we're talking about this, we're talking about the rotation. Jack Flaherty does appear to be our ace of the team, but he hasn't pitched, you know, past the fifth inning, but he is 3 and 0. What are your thoughts on Flaherty, you know, and you also wanted to cover his uh, strikeout uh, accomplishment, so you can touch on that also. But is Flaherty the ace, and do you figure out of our ace he should be going more than just five innings, and what do you what do you think is causing him from doing that? I think, uh, you know, and congratulations to Flaherty, who's the, the quickest Cardinal in history to reach 500 strikeouts, which, you know, that's a, an amazing feat in itself. But, you know, him being three and zero and getting all the run support that he has, uh, that's kind of boded well for him. But again, like you said, if you're only going five innings, and what what is the main cause of that? I think Jim Edmonds says it best. You know, during the during the games that he's throwing a lot of wasted pitches. Um, he's trying to be more finesse than blowing them away with the stuff that he has. Uh, he he can be a finesse pitcher, but he has power stuff. I think he needs to play more into trusting the defense behind him being able to pitch to 
pitch to contact, you don't have to have a strikeout every pit, you know, every batter doesn't have to K. Uh, I think that's a lot of his issue, but he, I think he is the ace of the staff. Um, we've talked about his future here of whether he'll end up a Cardinal or if he'll move on to California or greener pastures, you know, I think he's all about the money, but I would like to see the Cardinals find a way to lock him down. Cause I think he has electric stuff and he's very headstrong. I mean, he can, if he starts to struggle, he doesn't get in his head like Carlos. He's mature for his age and, you know, a very young arm, talented arm. Uh, just right now, Luck's been on his side with having the run support. Yeah, I have to agree with you there because if you look at his numbers also, Flirty's not walking a lot of people. So he's getting into these high count situations and he's getting the same end result that we want is to get guys out. He's just taking longer to get there. And I think part of that is, like you said, he's a power pitcher. He's got – you know, he's effective with his pitches, but he doesn't have a lot of finesse or movement. Uh, you say, oh, I think, you know, pitching to contact earlier in the count will help him and then let your gold glove defense, for the most part, that's behind you, uh, take care of the rest. Larry, what's, what say you, 500 strikeouts is a, is a hell of a feat already in his very young career. Is, is Flaherty an ace going five innings? I, I, I don't like the term ace. I really don't. Because, I mean – when you say an ace, how many how many aces really are there in National League right now? Um, well, there should be there, fifteen. There, well, there should be, but is there really the best pitchers in the league? I mean, some teams you look at a, the Nationals, they could probably have two or three at one time on their team. But I, you know, to say ace means the best. I, I, I think he's the number one pitcher right now. I don't think he's the ace of the staff. I think he should be, and I think he will be. But currently, I think he's still finding his way. Um, one of the other things I kind of thought about while you were guys talking about this, um, last year, maybe a different philosophy. Maybe the pitchers were pitching up to get the fly balls because our outfield was better defensively than our infield. So maybe now there's a change in philosophy that we're trying to get the ball down. So maybe the pitchers are trying to pitch to different different locations in the, in the zone to try to get the ground balls because you have a gold glove infield. So maybe that's a little bit of a difference. Their kind of philosophy change, I don't know. I would just – if I were a manager, that's probably what I'd be looking at. I want the guy to hit the third base or first base or second base. I don't want him hitting the outfield, the young kids in the outfield that are misplaying balls. So I, I just wonder if that's part of it as well. But back to his 500th strikeout, I think that's amazing considering you have Gibby, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that came before him that are huge in our minds that we've seen pitch over the years, the, the Carpenters, those guys that we grew up with, even Wayno. Um and to see this young kid, that means a lot. It really does. So ace are not title-wise. They just proves the kid has definite talent. So a lot of people are mistaken by not acknowledging he has those abilities. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, let me let me swing this around to another question, too. It was an interesting move during this, at least, uh, this series Excuse me, against the Phillies. I said two words, tied them together there. Um, Cardinals made an interesting move, Chris. They called up. Uh, Scott Hurst, who isn't on the prospect list and probably would have been everyone's uh, guess furthest from their mind, you know, whenever we saw guys uh, from spring training like Parsons that didn't get a 40-man nod and uh, struggling with the pitching rotation, and we've still yet to see Nagowski get a start in the outfield, and they call up Hurst. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, or what do you think the logic is and the reasoning behind that move? I'm really not sure. I was surprised when I when I heard it. I know Lane Thomas had a rough outing, and they kind of left him at the alternate site and decided to bring Hurst along. 
Uh, I think it's a it's a little premature considering he hasn't played above double uh, A, I believe. Um, so it was, I, I don't know. He had an okay spring, but it was a, kind of a shock to see them, you know, bring him up, especially when you've brought Nagowski up and let his back go cold, you know, without giving him really an opportunity at a outfield spot. You know, it doesn't have to be every He's day. Start. He's not got yeah. a single start. So to expect his bat to have played from a hot spring training, bring him up and just have, you know, a a handful of pinch hit at bats, you can't expect that bat to remain hot. So I I thought it was a little odd to to try this kid out and put him on the 40 man. Um, You do have the timeline, I guess, with O'Neill and Bader. Uh, O'Neill will be back before Bader, but it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. I know Dean and Williams are still kind of, you know, they're streaky. They're Sometimes it looks like they're, you know, making a case to stay with the team, and other times they are what they are. But I, I was really surprised. Of, it kind of seemed like a wasted uh, spot on the roster bringing that kid up. Yeah, that's kind of what was going through my mind and still is today. Larry, your thoughts on uh, Hurst, the logic behind it, and why do you think they did it? What say you? Well, Two reasonings, I think, really, is that he is he is somebody you're not going to miss if you do have to bring him up. He doesn't do a whole lot. You'll release him or let him go or whatever. It's not a, it's not a big loss because nobody really knows who he is. The second thought is, is you realize who his best friend growing up is, right? Jack Flaherty's his best friend. And so that's another thing. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a connection there that we don't know about. Maybe Flaherty's having some issues because the first thing he said when he came up was he couldn't wait to see Mama Flaherty. You know, that was the thing. So, I, I don't know. I mean, because we do have Libertor and, and um, yeah, my mind just went blank. Uh, Gorman. Gorman, thank you, sir. Uh, Gorman, the connection there. Maybe they're looking to these young guys to help them mature if they have a sidekick along with them. Who knows? Because, you know, we do have the Wayno connection and the Yachty. So what's the next connection in this, you know, what's the next growing up with somebody else in tow? So I don't know, maybe that's the, but maybe the kid has a flash that we don't know about that he's done, you know, with no spring training per se is, I mean, extended spring training or no sites really other than just playing catch and hit pitch. Maybe he did something we don't know about. I don't know. Yeah. It'd have to be something nobody knows about because his minor league numbers uh, on the offensive side of things are not impressive at all, but we did have a lot of, Outfield miscues, and the outfield hasn't looked as sharp. So, Chris, would you think it's safe to say that uh, everyone's missing Harrison Bader a little? A little. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, but, you know, as far as the, the batting average goes, I mean, I just looking top to bottom of the outfield, Carlson's going to have his growing pains, but he's been pretty, pretty sharp, you know. Um, and, again, Williams and Dean at times look like they can handle the position, other times not. And Tommy Edmond has really adjusted. I think he can play the outfield, but I want to see him at second base. I mean, that's where we're going to be playing him going forward. And, you know, Larry likes to say he wants to put Carlson in a spot and, and let him adjust, you know, to that position, get used to it. It's going to be the same with Edmond. I think he needs to be at second base to get those reps in with the young, play in the infield. And right now to have him in the outfield, I know it's primarily for his bat. And, you know, the lack of production from the offense. But I'd, I'd like to see him go back to having Edmund be your second baseman and Carp on the bench. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, too. But he has looked really good in the outfield. He's made some amazing plays and had some great throws to hold runners. And one thing I like about Edmund is he's at least a smart guy. And he's, you know, a lot of these younger outfielders, like I've already seen Williams do it. 
is you know a lot of times they're trying to do extra you know they're trying to be extra and they're trying to make the throw to third when the guys run instead of just hitting the cutoff man and playing things smart you know they're playing like they're still in triple a but i am glad williams is coming around a little bit i think mixing the batting order up a little bit moving carlson up so we don't have everyone batting from the same side of the plate definitely helps some of these guys so hopefully he gets a little bit of confidence and it helps but larry you got to figure you know we thought we were going to have you know one of the best outfields in baseball with o'neill and bader because uh, one thing you can't deny about Harrison, he is a, he is a hell of a defender and he's got great speed, and we've been lacking. So, are you looking forward to the return of Bader and O'Neill? My my biggest question will be is who, what happens when those two come up? I mean, is the Williams is that experiment over? Does he go to the bench? I mean, are you gonna? He's finally the kid's finally hitting a little bit. Now you're gonna push him to the bench so Bader can come in and hit a hundred. That's that's the scary part about that. Um, but definitely with the defense, I think that's the one thing we are missing out of Bader, that gold glove defense that he can play. Uh, O'Neal's the other one. The problem is, again, you're bringing two more guys that are basically holes in the batting lineup. Um, so are we going to forfeit some power versus the glove? I, I mean, I don't know. I hate to I hate to see Williams go to the bench right now. Trey's finally figuring it out a little bit. But again, like I've said before, I'd like to see Carlson move to right field and left alone. And unfortunately, him and Williams play the same position. So that's another, you know, I kind of thought, well, if Edmund's going to play the outfield, why isn't he playing center field? He's athletic enough. He's smart enough. Why isn't Carlson in right field and leave him alone? Maybe they're trying to make him a center fielder so they can get rid of Bader. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to tell what the thought process is there with Hurst and all the, uh, you know, movings and goings on. And I know Lane Thomas, you know, being – sent back to the alternate side was a big deal for everybody. But to me, I thought he needed it. He only got one error, but he could have had several more. He just did not look to be the Lane Thomas that we're familiar with two years ago before he had his broken wrist. And that's, it kind of makes me feel bad for him because he was performing really well offensively and defensively. And then he got his, got hit by a pitch and broke his wrist. And uh, we haven't got a chance to see him uh, up close since. And then it looked like we were going to get a chance and, uh, Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. So who knows? Who knows when the next time is we will see uh, Lane Thomas. Uh, I wanted to mention too. Also, you know, uh, we've got conversation with the nation. It's a live uh, show we do on YouTube, and we also shared a link on our Facebook page group. Uh, we did it last month, and we're going to do it again uh, on this coming up Thursday. So uh, when this video is out. If you like what you see here, you can. Tune in and go watch that. We call it Conversation with the Nation because we try to take uh, questions from the group and subscribers here on YouTube and from our Facebook group and page. So if you have something you'd like us to talk about, whether it's on this show, we'll still do it even here if it's good enough. You just have to be, you have to be good. We're real selective here because we're so professional and top-notch, ESPN-like, that we want to make sure it's a good question. All the other riffraff, we put that on the, the live show we're going to do Thursday. That's what Chris specializes in. Also, he takes every question, you know, from beard grooming tips to sweeping the snow off your porch, all that kind of stuff. That's that's what that's for. He'll answer yeah, that's fun stuff. Yeah, no limitations. Anything you can think of. Anything goes. Yeah, well, uh, so far we've got Russ Robinson from Redbird Rants. He's a writer that he'll be joining us on Conversation with the Nation, as well as Brad Kell, who writes for Arch City Media and also a moderator for our Cardinals Nation 24-7 Facebook group. So they'll be joining us, and you know we've got a few more that are 
not quite RSVP'd for it yet. So, you know, we, we have those jotted down and that'll be the crew we run with. Yeah, check out our live show section on YouTube. We have uh, two different playlists. We have the regular season episodes. If you just want to get the, uh, you know, nuts and bolts, I guess I should say, what's going on with the season. But if you want to hear the extra stuff and, you know, gets a little exciting whenever you have a little round table and can throw things back and forth, check that out on our, our live playlist. Uh, guys, coming up, you know, the National Series finishes up uh, on the 21st, which is Wednesday. Uh, they have an off day Thursday, and then they're back to St. Louis to play the Reds uh, for three games who uh, took care of us last time. And then the Phillies are coming to St. Louis. We're playing now. We're playing a lot of these National League East teams early and getting the matchups out of the way. I'm not really a big fan of seeing the Nationals, you know, back to, to back so quick. Same with the Phillies. I'd like to see them later whenever, you know, you get a better look and the season gets rolling a little bit. But they're going to play for four games in St. Louis after that. Uh, currently in the National League Central Division, the Reds are leading at nine and six, and the Brewers are nine and seven. And the Cards are five hundred at eight and eight, and the Pirates are one behind at seven and nine. And then the Cubs bringing up the rear, which is how most Cubs fans like it. They're six and nine. Uh, guys, are you Chris? Are you uh, are you shocked right now to see where the Cardinals are at? Everyone threw we're going to be first. I figured it was going to be a little tougher, but I didn't expect them to be in the middle of the pack at the end of the first month. Yeah, to be 500 right now, I thought we'd be a little bit better than that. Uh, I, you know, looking at our schedule, I figured we would have a little bit tough of a go. Uh, you know, Phillies and Nationals, neither one are a cakewalk to get past. And, you know, you, you want to win the series. That's the main thing. You don't go in expecting a sweep all the time. But, you know, to have lost a few series now, that's kind of tough to swallow. Um, Reds, bats have been hot. So that, that's kind of been a little bit of a surprise that they have – carried that momentum and the Cubs on the other hand have been so cold with the bats that I couldn't imagine them being the bottom feeders even below Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh's right on our heels right now. So I had predicted them not to win, you know, 60 games, you know, for the season, they've already got seven. So it'll be interesting. I think our division, again, we've, we've talked before that the division beats up on itself. I don't think that makes us a weak division. I just think that means every team in it, you know, for whatever reason, we really battle strong with each other. And, you know, sometimes fans kind of look at that like, you know, hey, we're we're just weak. And that's – I think there's just a lot of powerhouses that can be good on any given night. Uh, with the Reds, I think it's their bats that carry them. Their pitching isn't that great. Pittsburgh is kind of, you know, you expect to win every time you go out against them, but you never know what you'll get. And Milwaukee's a tough team. They've got good pitching and hitting. Yeah, I think I think you know, the reason why we see you know the Reds doing so well is like you said their their offense has been really well, but their offense is also consistent. They're consistently putting up runs as to where we're hot and cold, and our pitching hasn't performed at all. And then you have the Brewers who are good at both sides of the ball. They're not excellent, but they're they're enough to be competitive. And the Cubs are going to lose the majority of their games, but then they're going to have games like they did the other day where they put up, you know, 16 runs. And part of the thing with the Pirates is a lot of people may be going in with their guard down, trying to take advantage or think it's, uh, you know, they're going to be an easy uh, situation where they're going in and win a series, and they don't because the Pirates are a young team and got something to prove. Uh, Larry, what do you think? I mean, are you pretty much – you think we're right where we should be or where you thought we would be? Yeah, I mean, all in all, look at the schedule. Like, like Chris said, you know, you're playing the Phillies and the Nats. They're both – quality teams 
you play the Reds at home. We always know what happens in Cincinnati. That ballpark carries the home run. Um, I am shocked that the Cincinnati's went outside of Cincinnati and still been able to put up the power numbers they're putting up. Um, the Brewers kind of shocked me when they came in. They did what they did to us. But, again, we're back to, you know, scoring all the runs in one game and not scoring any of the rest of the series. So, I, I, all in all, I think 500 is, is probably about where we should have been, probably, I would say. Um, the good thing is, I mean, we just start looking up, man. We start chasing them down. We could, if we win the series against Cincinnati, we're right back in the driver's seat. So it, that puts, you know, then that puts the Brewers in our in our target area. Uh, we're going to beat up on the Cubs. We're going to beat up on the we're going to beat up on the Pirates. That's just going to happen as the year goes. Because unfortunately, I just don't see the Cubs are going to get any better. I think they're actually going to start depleting their their roster as the year goes. I think they're going to start trading off pieces. So. Yeah, I think too. It's it's a, kind of shocking as we're talking about the Reds and how they're a pair team, but we hit more home runs than they do. Just a whole part of the consistency, I think, because like Larry mentioned earlier, you know, we're tied with the Braves in the Major League lead coming into uh, today's date of Tuesday, whatever it is, the twenty first, twentieth. We're twenty five, just like we talked about with the two previous series. You know, uh, means we're only scoring when we hit the long ball. Uh, the flip side of that is we're 27th in Major League Baseball in ERA and second in walks. So, obviously, we have a huge problem with the pitching. So, Chris, I want to go to you. Every time we have a bright spot, you know, we call up Hurst, right? So, now the 40-man roster is full because they moved Hudson to the 60-day to make room for him. So, Parsons didn't get a look, and he was probably our best uh, control pitcher, and that's what all the scouts have said, you know, for his pinpoint control and accuracy. He's one of the best you know, in the whole system for the Cardinals organization, he doesn't get the call. And we actually looks like we could use that. Uh, uh, Johan Oviedo looks good, comes in, takes over for Ponce. When Ponce is out there giving a batting practice, he gets sent to the alternate site. I mean, at some point in time, you have to think the Cardinals, you know, we're, th- we're through the first month of the season. Like we said, you don't win a championship in April, but you can definitely get yourself behind or in a situation to lose. The Cardinals at some point have to start thinking about looking at making some changes and mixing some things up because going in this, you know, same pattern of the same guys running out there just isn't working for them. Yeah, that was one thing, you know, when Oviedo had his appearance and he and he looked good, um, they sent him back to the alternate site and had Whitley come up. It makes sense because, you know, you're not going to pitch Oviedo again, you know, that quickly. So like a, a move like that, I could understand, but, you know, even the arms that we do have in-house right now, you, Tyler Webb has pitched almost every single game. And while he has looked, you know, he's done what he needed to for the most part. You know, he gets guys out. He's already, you know, not on the injured list, but had a pull growing from, I would say, getting up and warming up so much. I mean, you do only have the three lefties in the pen with Cabrera and Miller, who Miller doesn't look that sharp. Um, but you can't just keep going to the well you know, over and over again, or his arm's going to fall off and it's not even May yet. And then what are you going to do for a lefty come May and beyond if Webb goes down injured? I mean, Cabrera can give you multiple innings, but Andrew Miller can't. So I think that's that's something the Cardinals, it almost seems like they're afraid to let a pitcher like a Helsley or somebody go more than an inning. Um, they, they figure that one inning, get them out. I, I'd like to see a couple of those relievers because they're all starters that have turned relievers. Let him go a couple innings. You know, save a guy a day off. And that's something that I think, I don't know if it's Schilt or Maddox, but they need to do a better job with managing the, 
the mileage on that bullpen because especially if our starters aren't going more than five innings, you're you're going to hurt the bullpen in the long run. Yeah, and some of these guys, it seems like we see a lot of the same ones repeatedly. We've been seeing Cabrera a lot, which he can go a couple innings, but you don't want to go, you don't want to run him out there every day and have pitch a couple innings. But I feel like we haven't seen Ray as much as we should. Uh, and I feel like we haven't seen Hicks a whole lot. Hicks has pitched really well. I get they're trying to ease him back into things. But then if they're really that worried about it, should he maybe have started at the alternate site or did the extended spring training or something of that nature? Because then the bad thing about the bullpen, you know, Helsley has inflated ERA. Cabrera did have, but he's actually got his back down to a respectable number just because of backing up the rotation. who has not been able to go. The bullpen can't go a whole month. Uh, you know, they might be able to go a turn through the rotation of having some uh, short starts, but, they, they got to have performance in the starting rotation or the bullpen. This is exactly what's going to happen. And then you have guys like Miller and Helsley who haven't looked as good, but Larry, what do you, what do you think? How long do you think this continues? I know Kim is back. So it kind of gives a different look, but Gandis hasn't looked well. Ponce is still on the team for some reason. And his ERA's got to be over 10 still. And he's just serving up fly balls, which he's been a fly ball pitcher. And now it's just coming back to bite him. Yeah, I think, I mean, like Chris said, I think, you know, the Santa Oviedo back to the, the training side, the alternate side, I think that was the best move because he wasn't going to pitch. It gives you Whitley. I mean, you can burn through his arm a little bit for a couple of days, what have you. The, the the rotation in the bullpen itself, I haven't understood at all. Give some of these other guys a chance. Let them, let them see what they have. I mean, like we keep saying, it's April, and especially, I mean, I've seen the runs we've given up. So who cares if it's Whitley or one of these other guys getting, you know, getting hammered on? Why are we bringing Webb in and let him pitch in a game we're down by eight or nine runs? That makes no sense to me. And we keep sending him out there. And I thought we fired Mike Matheny. You know, I thought he was over in Kansas City, but evidently Schilt paid too much attention to the bullpen rotation there. Um, or maybe it is Maddox, like you said. Um, I would just seem to see these young kids get an inning where they do succeed or fail they get the opportunity um even if it's a second inning with you know some of these kids whitley was a starter um you know some of these other kids it's time to let them see what they can do um gallegas hasn't pitched a whole lot i mean for him that was a guy that we rode a couple years ago I mean, we climbed on his back two years ago and just every time there's a chance it looked like he was our web of that year and now we're not getting the chance to hardly see him at all reyes kind of confuses me that guy could pitch probably three or four innings if you let him. Why is he not getting, you know, even an inning here or there? It's kind of like he comes in spot finishes or whatever. And I realize he's the designated closer right now, but and we're not he's really a closer, game. even though he's a designated closer, right? Even though they said to start the season, we're not going to have one. And then, like in the first two games, you're like, oh, he's going to be our closer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's just I think like I said, I, I think it's not gone the way they've said that we're this committee thing. It's the Tyler Webb show is what it's turned into. Yeah, I would have a situation where you have like a Gann or a Wayno that can't go past five innings. I would have Reyes come up and pitch two or three, kind of like Chris said, or Cabrera two or three, and kind of maybe have a piggyback situation in mind. Okay, well we're gonna have Ponce or Gantz going in two days, so the day before Cabrera or Reyes, you're probably not gonna throw because Even we're gonna keep you. Ready. Yeah, go ahead, Larry. Even like the, the game where we all seen Carlos implode for six runs, um, basically it was two errors behind him, and he lost it. He still pitched a hell of a game. I mean, you take out that inning, Carlos had a good solid game, and they pulled him from it, and they should have let him keep throwing. 
I mean, he already lost the game for him. Why not pitch through it? And, and I, then they, they pull him out and they bring somebody else in. Like, I think it was Miller. I think they brought in at the time and let Miller pitch like a couple, a couple of batters and they pulled him out. It, it just makes no sense to me. The, the logic behind it. Yeah. I, they're going to have to do something, but I would much rather see Reyes get a start here or two, at least until Nicholas is back to kind of mix up this rotation or I would throw Aviedo in there. He's got good stuff. Uh, he looked sharp, and then everyone was even talking about how good he looked, and then he's then he's gone. To me, it made no sense. Uh, there's plenty of other options to sit down. I would you could send Ponce down. He has options available to try to get his head right or figure out what's going on with him. Uh, but that 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 hasn't happened. So I don't know. I think I think they have to. They're going to have to be quick, you know, to do something different. I think we saw that yesterday with the batting order. That's why Carlson moved. He, he had one of the highest OPSs on the team, and he was batting, you know, in between two guys that couldn't hit that of a white paper bag. So, obviously, he's not going to get anything to hit. But I think the reason he has had a high OPS of 917 coming into today was because he hasn't been under pressure. And we talked about that at the beginning of the year, not to go back and hash old episodes we've already done, but we talked about how, you know, Arenado was going to help, but really stress on some of these guys. The only person we haven't seen it, too much is the young, but maybe sliding him down the order now a little bit behind uh, Molina and Carlson will kind of relax him a little bit and let him kind of come into a groove because we all know the young can get hot and carry the team for a week, or he might, he might not do anything for two and a half weeks. That's just the kind of player I think he is. And it's a player you can live with, but you can't, you can't live with it when you've got, you know, four guys like we talked about with Bader, you know, if, this were, if Bader was playing right now, everybody would be wanting his head currently because, you know, when you have four guys that are hitting 200, it draws more emphasis. You're only supposed to have one or two of those guys, but you know, now it's more of an acceptable thing, but you can't have the whole bottom half because then there's just half the game. You know, you're basically throwing it away and hoping something happens or someone makes a mistake to where they can get on base. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks there because, you know, Kim and his start, you know, he went three innings and they say they're going to kind of baby him back. Well, is that, you know, maybe the, the thinking behind that is, Due to him, what we talked about maybe with Martinez and have him be a opener for somebody, if you're only going to expect three innings out of him, you know, already have Cabrera planning to take over from Kim and Kim's start. And Schilt had talked about a week ago, maybe during a stretch of games, having a six-man rotation. I would think that would be ideal, but even when your you're starting pitchers only go five innings, I don't think you should need a six-man rotation if, they shouldn't be that damn fatigued, you know. If they're only going five innings, you, pre- you probably need a damn seven or eight man rotation because you need two a game to get through seven innings, apparently. All right. But I get what you're saying, but that's why I was kind of saying, you know, do you know, you've got a you've got a bullpen of a lot of guys, right? Even have a taxi squad you can take advantage of. Uh, and those people have already been sit down, like Woodford. You know, keep those guys on standby if you got to do a move. You know, and if people don't know how options work. Once you send a person down for the year, you can send them up and down 20, 30 times. There's no limit on how many times you can send a player up and down. So get creative with it. If you, we had guys that can't have innings. We've got Woodford. We've got Whitley. We've got Oviedo. We've got these guys that we've already sent up and down. You know, take advantage of that. You know, and then if you have a, you know, say you have, you know, Gant going when he hasn't looked as great, then the next thing you know, you've got uh, Reyes or Cabrera if you want to do the lefty situation. Okay, so you don't use Cabrera the day or two before and say you're going to be prepared. You're my you're my guy. You're first. You're first up for Gant. And if you don't have to use him, great. Extra day of rest for Cabrera. Use him. Use him for the next guy. You know, but uh, 
I think all it would take is a little bit of planning. Same thing for Kim. I would like to see Reyes, you know, back him up, you know, okay. So, you know, Kim's not going to come out. So what do you do? You bring in, you bring in Reyes that throws on the opposite side. You know, he's a right-hander and he's got different movement on his pitches. Keep the hitters off balance at least. And if our guys aren't scoring runs, maybe we keep them from scoring, you know, so damn many. We almost got Jack ended up playing the game yesterday, uh, which would have been Monday's game, but, we still gave up what five, six runs. And that, you can't do that in typical gamer. It's going to be a loss. No, and if you had guys up like uh, the Johan Cazada kid or Seth Elledge, you know, or uh, you know Junior Fernandez or so- somebody that's had a little bit of major league experience, if you had guys like that, you could stopgap your bullpen from having to go to Miller and Webb constantly. I mean, it, that totally makes sense what you're saying. I just don't know why the Cardinals aren't aren't going that route right now. Especially with the taxi squad, those guys are there. They're with the team. So making that maneuver should not be a difficult decision or take a lot of, you know, uh, you know, as far as planning goes. But, you know, there's no flight itineraries for making sure they make it to the park in time. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This rotation can't keep going the way it is with five innings for each. Uh, but we do have a couple bright spots, you guys. You know, Tommy Edmond has looked really good this year. 294 average, 351 on base, 792 OPS. Got a couple home runs, four BIs, three stolen bases. Uh, and, you know, what do you think so far him with playing the multiple positions? He still looks good uh, defensively too, Chris, but he's been a bright spot for the team, especially after we were worried uh, with Colton Wong leaving. You know, Edmonds looked really good. Yeah, I mean, he's what your prototypical leadoff guy would look like. I mean, I think Danny Mack was kind of going over the numbers of what his he he's now reached his 162 game mark, and you know, I think 270, 280 type of hitter with 20 stolen bases, close to 20 home runs. I mean, that that's what you want to see from your leadoff guy. But like Larry has said, you know, and and I brought it up too. You want to you want the guy to be a second baseman. You know, plug him in there. That's where he needs to be at. But, yeah, he's looked good. The fact that he can be a utility player, I mean, it's a plus. But I think the Cardinals have had that with so many ball players in the past, like a Skip Schumacher and others, that they use those guys as utility players and they never get really – they don't exceed at one position because they, they use that. That should be an advantage. turns out to be a disadvantage. I think it plugs them – more to a bench role, and you want Edmund to be the guy. So go ahead and give him that spot now. Yeah, you're looking for him to get in that comfort zone, to get kind of settled in their position, and let everything else come to him. And these are creatures of habit, so you know, hopefully they get settled in and things start clicking for them a little easier. But no, it makes makes perfect sense, Chris and Larry. You have to probably figure Edmund is more consistent offensively than what we've seen from Colt Long in the past. Yeah, I mean, if if you remember back to Colton in, in year two or year three, he was still trying to hit the eight home run, you know, with nobody on base. Uh, and, and so he was still struggling. He wasn't hitting the all fields. He really didn't come into his own until like last year, the year before last. That's when he really started hitting. But his glove was always consistent. Um, the base running level off, uh, left a lot to be desired with Colton, and especially his speed never made sense. But with Edmund, I, I compare him to the younger Albert Pujols as far as the baseball level IQ. Um, we plugged Albert into right field, third base, first base, wherever we needed him, and it worked out because he's a smart baseball player. Um, I think that's what a lot of this team is missing is we just don't have the high IQs that we've had in the past with these guys. I think they have athletic ability, and I think that's what we've gone down that road, and that's why we end up with the the, Wils, the the Williams and those guys that are very athletic, 
but doesn't mean they understand the game and the concepts. Um, you know, that's the thing with Edmund. It seems like we plug him at third base. He, he did all right. I mean, he wasn't an all-star, but he did all right. He held his own and he's definitely better than Carpenter. Then you put him at second and you forget who Colton Wong even is there for a while. Then next thing you know, he's in right field. You know, you're like, where, what's this kid's future? And I, I hate, I think that Tony LaRusa did that to a lot of players when he was here. I think he um, he created that utility role with a lot of guys. And they had they had good talent, but I think he was always afraid they'd get overexposed at one position. So he kept bouncing them around just trying to hide them. But I think guys like Edmund, I think he's a quality second baseman. I think that's where he should be. Just like I keep saying, you know, Carlson should be in the right in right field left alone. I mean you don't know what Goldie is. Maybe Goldie can play shortstop. We don't know, but he's never played there. Why? Because he's a damn good first baseman. Don't move him. So, and some of the, some of these guys you have to figure. I wanted to keep some of the good news going too, but uh, you know, and another one that's that's doing well is the is the goat Yadier Molina. I mean, he is having a hell of a year. Uh, he's three oh nine batting average, three fifty on base percentage, nine thirty two now OPS. He's got four home runs and twelve RBIs in a short season, uh, leading the team. I mean, we know Yachty's not gonna come in and be a hindrance on this team. We talked about that. We thought he was probably asking for a little too much money and he wasn't gonna be the same of old. But Yachty's looking pretty good, Chris. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, you can't say right now that we can already tell he'll be back next year, but if he keeps this up at any kind of a clip I can't imagine that he'll want to hang him up at the end of this season. He's doing everything that's expected, and to to have him move up to the not just the fifth spot, but batting cleanup, you're telling me that anybody in their right mind would have had Molina pegged as your cleanup hitter, your five hitter, hitting as well as he has. I, I don't think anybody would have bought that. Yeah, Larry, what say you? I know you were kind of cautious about giving him a lot of a lot of money up front, as was I. But he's definitely he's earning his money so far, and he's continuing to lead this team. And you know, it, even though we're worried about to start the year, now you see what he's doing. You kind you're just kind of like, yeah, I can see it. I mean, you're, I mean, he's not really he's not surprising too many of us, but it's just pretty awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, to see a 39 year old catcher do what he's done has been pretty amazing. Um, I was I was more concerned with him wanting a multi year deal, and then he was wanting to handcuff the the salary as well. And I thought, you know, with us shedding Fowler and shedding maybe Carpenter at the end of the year, you know, the loss of those those high contracts, then Wayno comes off. That was kind of a nice thing that we could go out and add some younger talent and maybe spend a little money on pitching. But um, he's surprised me. I mean, I, like I said, you know, our last show, as we said, we wouldn't do this anymore. But I'll own up to it. I mean, I was one of those guys that said, hey, let's let's see what Knizzer can, you know, can do. And let's move forward with him and start looking toward Herrera to be here. But instead the guy surprised me. I mean, he's dominating again. His knowledge is definitely there. You can't take it away from him, man. And the, the pitchers love the guy. So that's all that matters when you're a catcher, I guess. Yeah. He, he's, he's done a great job and he continues to amaze us and blow us away uh, each and every year. He's, he's still goes up forms at a high level. It's crazy. And you've got all these guys that used to, he used to be neck and neck with for a few years like Luke Roy and Buster Posey and stuff, and even uh, uh, Joe Mauer. Those guys have all. Those guys, yeah. Yeah, those guys have all gone to the wayside, and Yachty is still here, still tearing it up. So it's it's crazy. Uh, and then on the on the positive side too, I mean, 
Arenado and Goldie have done what we thought they would do. They've both performed well. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, carrying the team on their back or anything, but they're definitely performing like we all figured they they would and doing well, so I don't want to just skip over them. And Carlson's been sneaky with his 917 OPS, and uh, it looks like he's increasing that number as we speak. Um, so, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive, but it's nice to see Carlson get into a comfort zone. Hopefully he can increase his, his average, but with Arenado and Goldie and then Carlson, that's a pretty good uh, three-person, uh, three amigos tandem there. Yeah, when you've got those two kind of, not just bats, but ball players to be in a clubhouse with, you can kind of pick their brain and, you know, use as mentors. I think that, that just helps out Carlson, too. And the, it, it'll be interesting to see when O'Neill and Bader both come back if Carlson is going to continue to be slotted in a certain position or if Williams is going to be, you know, kept up, it, it's just there's so many different variables right now. But, yeah, Goldschmidt and Arenado, they're, they're going to hold it down and be your cornerstones for several years. And I think that that helps guys like an Edmund, like a Carlson, and even DeYoung. It takes a lot of pressure off him defensively to have Arenado right there. So those guys, it was to be expected that they would be doing well. It's just getting every player to click on all cylinders right now. You know, you, you can have three guys hitting the ball. If the rest of the team isn't, you're not going to win a whole lot of ball games. Yeah, you're exactly right. And Arenado and, and Goldie are doing like we expected, and Arenado has to be happy, Larry, because the Cardinals are only uh, 500 at a record of 8-8 eight and eight as we're recording this, but that's uh, double the wins that the Colorado Rockies currently have. I mean, the guy was promised they were going to build. Um, and they, you know, him and Story would be the leading tandem there, and it just didn't work out for him. So he's thrilled. I mean, if you hit any press conference, you hear the guy, he's like, he's like a 10 year old on Christmas, man. He loves it here. And uh, just the tandem, like Chris said, of the corners, that's huge. And even like DeYoung, the defense, he's moved further to his left now, so he doesn't have to take away the hole as much as he did in the past. So I think his, I think his defense has even gotten better this year. Um, we've covered up even with carpet second base. We haven't had that much of a letdown defensively. So that's the big thing with this team that, you know, those guys being around, I think their work ethic of Goldie and Arenado, I think that's huge. These are young guys. They see these, these, the, the, the professional hitters and the professional guys come on. That's a huge difference from those kids at double A or triple A that are just trying to make the show. Yeah. And Chris, I want to circle back to you. I know we kind of touched on it a lot. I want to hit on it again. But, I mean, you've got DeYoung and Carp performing so poorly. And then again today, uh, you know, we're facing, a, we're facing a lefty when the game started, but still no Nagowski. What what do you think is the, the logic behind Nagowski and even Sosa not getting any playing time? I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a shocker, especially when we're kind of struggling to find our offense. What, what, do you, what do you think the logic is behind that? Or will we see them start? Or do you think as soon as somebody comes back, they're just going to be sent down? It's hard to say because the Nagowski thing really is a head scratcher for me just because he hits so damn well in spring training. Um, but seeing Carpenter. Well, like you said, like you and I were talking recently, you said, you know, they, their statement for him being on the team was what? 
well, yeah, that they couldn't justify keeping him down. You know, he was hitting so well and not just hitting well, but seeing the ball well and getting on base. And that's what that's what it all boils down to. You know, had one of the best on base percentages in all of all of baseball during spring training. But when you've got DeYoung has some power, obviously he's got a few home runs already. But, you know, he's had those long stretches without hits. Carpenter, you know, I don't care what they say about exit velocity and how hard he's hitting the ball. To me, and I put this out on Twitter, if you hit the ball harder than any player in the majors 100 times, but you get out 100 times, are you really helping the damn team? You know, no. And I know there's you want to look at for the positives and not totally bag on the guy, but when does Sosa get a start? You know, when does he get a day to plug in at shortstop and give DeYoung a break or have Edmund be in the outfield for a day and have Sosa be your second baseman? Why does it have to be Carpenter is your second baseman if Edmonds in the outfield? Both of those bats are so cold. And I'm not saying Sosa's going to come up and be four for five during the game, but you don't know. You don't know unless you play in the game. And Nagowski the same way. I mean, when you've got Dean and Williams who were streaky, why not have Nagowski go out there and get a four or five at bat game, see what he can do instead of just pinch hitting him in a meaningless game? Yeah, I was actually looking at the numbers on uh, – I put together some Excel spreadsheets today before we got on here just to see who had done what and runners and scoring position and all that. And, you know, Carp is basically has the starter's numbers. I think he's like four at-bats behind Arenado and Goldschmidt because Goldie missed a game also. So uh, he's pretty much right in line with everyone else. His, his uh, playing time hasn't really changed. Uh, he's sad today because there's a lefty up, but – the big thing for Carp is not even his hard hit ball rate or his launch angle or any of that. It's been his strikeouts and his inability to identify pitches. And I, even Edmonds, you know, I like watching Edmonds commentate because I think he does have some good knowledge, especially when it comes to hitting. But he's even pointed out that Carp looks really lost. And, you know, it's a shame to see him look like this, but he does. It's like he's trying to search too much. And I, I think he's, no one's going to say this, but I think he's drastically overthinking it and he's, expecting something else and he's not getting it he's looking at too many pitches he's thinking he's the car for four years ago that was you know on base machine and he's he's not now we just need him to hit a home run on occasion or do a, a bunt hit the opposite way but yeah yet still you have to feel bad for guys like sosa and especially nagowski you know whenever you see uh there's a you know chance to have someone come in the game and it's carp every time and edmund is getting thrown in the outfield so really carpenter is still even though he's making decent money and you expect him to be on the team. And I, I don't have a problem with him getting opportunities from time to time, but every time he's in the game, Edmonds in the outfield and Nagowski is still sitting. I would like to see Nagowski uh, in left field and Edmonds stay at second. Like we just talked about, right? Larry, you have to figure it would be nice to see him get a chance or maybe give DeYoung a day or two off. Yeah. I mean, I, we talked about this early on that as um, DeYoung always seemed like he got that hot start and he, and he cooled off come June because he played every single game, every single inning, because he never had a quality backup. Sosa is decent with the glove. I mean, that's what we need. We don't need him hitting 500 because, A, nobody else is hitting over 100, so what's the difference? And it's not like he lets you down because we know DeYoung's not hitting. So what are you really giving up there to let him play? Maybe if Sosa has a good outing. Does that affect, you know, the, the makeup of the game? Because it says, hey, wait a minute, this guy's better than DeYoung because he fields and he's hitting. So now what do I do with DeYoung? 
And that's what my fear is, is I think a lot of this is driven by outside forces that unfortunately are money related. So you, you, at times I just don't know what the thinking is. Like you said, Nikowski, why is the guy not at least getting a shot? I mean, you're right now you're playing with basically 10 to 11 players out of 15 and that's not fair to the other four guys and i realize this isn't about being fair or whatever it is the major leagues but your team's not hitting why is the hottest hitter from spring training not getting a chance yeah uh, i just figure especially with the offense being what it is and we're searching for it that they would have, you know at least had a little more than a sample serving size of game action. Sosa made one start and he was one for two with a walk uh, and a strikeout. So I, I figured he might get another look, especially with the young, obviously struggling and racking up a lot of strikeouts. Uh, but we are starting to see some better line. This mix up a little bit. Maybe that'll help. Uh, who knows what will happen next week. I know the first game coming up against the Reds on Friday, we're facing uh, Sonny Gray, who's back in the rotation. And then we got Wade Miley on Saturday, who's a lefty. And we also missed him the first time around. So it'll kind of be a different looking uh, Reds lineup, but maybe that'll be good for us. And hopefully uh, Tyler Naquin and Castellanos cool down a little bit before we have the Reds coming into town. I still don't know what the hell a Red is after all these years being a baseball fan. I have no clue whatsoever. But uh, Chris, uh, do you want to touch on uh, the social media, the Facebook page group real quick and our kind of status with YouTube to kind of let everybody know where we're at? Yeah, both uh, both Facebook page and group are still growing. Uh, the Facebook page is over 63,000 followers now. Uh, the Facebook group is coming up on 39,000. So we'll hit that 40,000 member you know mark here soon. As far as the YouTube channel, you know, we said last week we hit 500 subscribers, which is awesome. We've also reached over 10,000 views for the channel. So even though it says on there that we started the channel in December of 2020, we didn't put out our first episode until early February. So just a few months to have 10,000 views. That's you know a testament to everybody that has tuned in and subscribed, which we encourage everybody to do. And also like and share this stuff so you know your friends can you know catch up on it and there's only so many hours in the day and places we can share this content to. So we do rely heavily on the engagement and interaction with the Facebook page and group and also on Twitter and Instagram. Just anybody that follows us, you know, we do appreciate it and hope everybody will continue supporting us by pushing this stuff out. Yeah, very well said. And great work. A lot of that is uh, a lot of Chris's work. Puts a lot of time and effort into that. He does a fantastic job and he's one of the reasons that the channel has grown so quickly as well. So, Good job, Chris. Thank you for all your hard work and effort. Total team effort, guys. Total team effort. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then after they, the Reds come to town this weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday, the Phillies come in and follow them right after that, uh, Monday through Thursday for a four-game set. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the team's looking then. If Harper's still going to have his back issues, he looked pretty locked in last time. It's always exciting to see uh, – player of the caliber of Bryce Harper uh, come to town regardless of what team he's playing for. So, uh, And also, Chris has been doing his uh, other podcast, his audio podcast called Cardinal Cuts with Chris Allos. We do a, a live version of that once a month. Uh, the next time we are going to be doing that is May the 10th. Yeah. Oh, that's 
just we, that's so for the Facebook people that's made the tent. We had a good turnout last time, so obviously we're going to do it again. Uh, Chris, you want to go over that just for a minute? I just appreciate everybody's tuned into it. It's something that you know I do weekly. You know, sometimes I might go you know a little over a week before I get to it, but I just do a Q and A where I'll put a post up on our Facebook group or on Twitter and let fans ask just random Cardinal related questions that I can answer from a fan perspective and kind of get to interact and engage with folks that way. But usually keep it around 20, 30 minutes and don't want to keep, uh, keep people listening too long and burn them out of podcasts. But, you know, it is a fun way to kind of give a unique spin, you know, something a little different. Yeah. I enjoy listening to it. I'm not just saying that because we're recording this. It's got to be the banjo music in the background. <laughs> definitely the banjo music. And then, you know, I just get, even though it's not a video, it's audio. I can see you there with your beard, and the banjo, and, you know, your cousin sitting, your cousins are in the corner on like a hay bale. Oh, yeah. And it's like maybe Larry's there and some overalls with a jug. I just, that's how I picture it all in my mind. Um, <laughs> That sounds like a nightmare. Don't be turning people <laughs> off of it. <laughs> well, that's why I said it's just audio only. So it's all thing. You used to visualize people. You're welcome. Uh, then uh, I've got a podcast that I've been working on. I haven't put it out on a regular basis because it's called Red Birds. It's Red Wine. And it is a it has an emphasis on the minor league players and, and, you know, who to keep an eye out, who's hot, who's not. I'm going to cover that uh, in more detail. Uh, whenever the minor league season starts, which I did want to cover also, uh, the Memphis Redbirds, the Springfield Cardinals, and the Palm Beach Cardinals, the three uh, main affiliates that we have, are all going to begin play at their home fields uh, May the 4th. Uh, you know, uh, the Redbirds are going to be playing Durham, Springfield's playing Wichita, and Palm Beach uh, It's going to be playing, I think it was Fort Myers. But uh, So it's kind of exciting. Minor league baseball is going to be starting up, I know, for you. People that live in Memphis or Springfield, you're pretty excited about it. Going to a Redbird or Springfield Cardinal game is pretty exciting. So once those games get up and rolling, uh, I'll have a lot more content. Right now, I'm just was kind of covering a lot of the same stuff, and I didn't want to, you know, bore people to death by you know just giving them the same information over and over again. So once those get started, I'll be able to cover those games in depth, talk about statistics and who's performing well, who might be on the verge of a call up, uh, and even our rehabbing Cardinals that are coming up, I'll be able to cover them a little bit as well what we don't cover here um so keep that uh, keep that in mind coming up in may it's i'll definitely start putting down on a regular basis uh, larry what about you do you have anything in closing as we finish out the show here no I, I do nothing i just show up here that's all i do um but uh no oh no i mean i'm looking for may the turn of the calendar days and, and better and more fielding better hitting so i think it'll be fine it's always nice to turn the page of the calendar. Hopefully the Cardinals do that as well. And the rotation looks to change and maybe they start to figure some things out. Uh, and we don't want to cover it cause we don't want to get too tight in, but Wayne Wright is having a good performance here this evening. He's already into the seventh inning. So that's the last thing I saw. So as we talked about, no one going past the fifth, uh, we've already finished it tonight. So hopefully this is a turning point. Uh, Chris closing thoughts. Well, you know, I, I know the, there's a lot of people that are wanting to hit that panic button already. But, you know, as of the recording here, you, you've got the Yankees who are in last place in their division. Nobody would expect that. You've got the Seattle Mariners who beat the Dodgers last night, who are, I think, 11-4. and four. 
You know, nobody would have saw that coming. It's still early, folks. I think we've got a good, solid team. I don't think nobody needs to hit the panic button right right now. But the Cardinals do have some things they need to work on. The pitching uh, needs to go longer than five innings. The bats need to be more consistent. And hopefully May will be a better, hotter month than April. Yeah, I'm hoping whenever the minor league season gets going to some of these guys like Oviedo and uh, even Libertor, some of these guys get in and get uh, growing, performing well, and they make uh, the Cardinals make some roster decisions kind of like we think they should now in a couple of key places, you know. Hopefully these guys are performing well in the minor leagues and it kind of forces their hands. So I'm excited to get that going, get those guys in game action playing someone other than their own teammates, uh, kind of see what uh, we might have in the pipeline that can help us out even this year. So we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to minor league baseball starting up. Looking forward to the weekend series and hopefully we're turning the corner with this new batting order. So yeah, people don't don't panic yet. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, turn the corner and close out April with a couple of wins to start off May on a winning streak. That would be great. You know, and I want to again remind people that they're they're catching half the show or t- towards the end that we want everybody to like and subscribe. Uh, you know, again, we've, we've reached over 500 subscribers, 10,000 views. We want to just keep uh, extending a thank you to those that have subscribed and want to, again, just ask you to share with your friends, share the link out on your Facebook timeline or on Twitter. Any place you can share it out helps us out a ton, and we appreciate everybody. Yep, thanks everyone for the support. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you for Conversation with the Nation on Thursday. And go Cards. Go Cards. Brad's trying to join. There he is. No. He's in. He's out. He's in. It's, oh, it's, there. He's, Brad. He's, he's, he's connected here. to audio. He's connected to audio. He was t- taking a nap on his couch. <laughs> Still connecting. Still connecting. Still connecting. It's okay. We can edit this all out. Come on, Dean. You're new, big boy. Nope. He came, he left. He left, so we'll move along. Should be fun games. Like I said, I wish they were spaced out with the Nationals. Phillies a little more, but it is what it is. So the Cardinals will have an interesting... Uh... What's that, Chris? I was dogs barking. Your feet hurt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are your dogs going to get fed? Is that what that is? <laughs> no, that's that's taking the home. <laughs> Mine's going to happen any second. I'm actually wondering where my. That's why I was telling you ahead. I'm like, yeah, I'm, we'll have to edit it up because I know she's going to be on any second. I was looking at my phone and I'm like, yep, I'm going to hear dogs barking pretty quick. It probably like, that sounds like another show we had one time where the dogs were going crazy. Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jed! <laughs> I don't miss that a bit. My dogs are barking. I didn't know. You and Tina had some kind of role-playing thing going hey. on or what? <laughs> yeah. Through seven for Wayno, man. You know, and we have a pinch hit opportunity, and it's Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter. God. And he flew out. Yep. 
I'm so over the Matt Carpenter deal. They gotta let him play, man. You know they're gonna give him every chance they can for this month. If he's if he's still on the roster in May, then I'm done with this. Month. Oh, he's still gonna be playing in May, yes. He, he, yeah, he's not gonna be done. Yeah, he's gotta go. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm a baseball player, I'm gonna. Man, I'm not gonna look that bad. I don't care. How many millions of dollars does the guy need? Oh no, no, that's not going to be Beyonce. Go ahead and show it up. <laughs> Where's my dollars? Where's my dollars? I'm actually bad that I got it right. <laughs> no. It is actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Larry, I thought you were going to jump in and say, me too. <laughs> no thanks. I've had it. It's not that good, Jared. I like Chris is coming live from Studio 42 there now. Yeah. Miss A-Log jersey going on. Oh, yeah. I like it. Putting the work in. Oh, yeah, trying. I noticed, I'm sure you did too, Larry's mic doesn't work as good. Mine doesn't? Uh, it wasn't picking you up until like your first couple words. You have like a loud exhaust, like a fan or something. No, that was me, I think. Oh, well, then it's fucking up Larry. Yeah, because I've got a pillow cover in the vent here in the floor. But yeah, that's, that's oh, probably not What kind of AC system, what kind of system you got in your fucking house? I thought Larry fucking had a helicopter outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to fucking take you home. It's literally my computer's like a foot from it. I don't know, Jared's kicking ass in fantasy though. I can't get yeah. <laughs> We were neck and neck, dude. You had me fucking worried and I went and picked up I used my fifth, you know, move to pick up a reliever that was starting for a day. And that helped me out, and I'm like, shit. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting smoked right now by Juno Eskimos, 41 to 107. He's got a good team. I don't know how Boyd keeps winning, man. Boyd has, like, a shit team and went and, like, picked up all these, like, free agents. And he's, he's doing what he did last year. He's beating a lot of people. And he didn't even draft his team. He kind of was, like, on the auto draft. I don't know. 